In the previous Mishnah, we learned that if a Jew owned Chomets during Pesach, then it is forbidden to benefit from that Chomets even after Pesach. Now, what happens if Nochish Ehil versus Israel, if a non Jew lends, let's say, money to a Jew before Pesach, Al by taking a deposit which is Chomets? So the non Jew lends money to the Jew. And he tells the Jew, give me some of your food, which is chomets, which I will keep in my house. And if you don't end up paying back, then that chomets will belong to me from now. It's very important that he says from now. The deal, the agreement which they make is that if you don't end up paying me the money which I lent you, then this chomets which I'm now keeping in my house will be considered to be mine retroactively already from now, before Pesach. So of course, if he does pay him back, then the Chomet is given back to the Jew, and it's as if the non-Jew never owned it. But if the Jew does not end up paying back, so then the non-Jew is able to keep the Chomet. It belongs to him already from before Pesach. And therefore, Pesach it will be forbidden for a Jew to benefit from that Chomet after Pesach, since it belonged to a non-Jew during Pesach. On the other hand, if it's the opposite case, the Yisrael Shehulves Hanachri al if a Jew lent money to a non-Jew, and took the non-Jew's chomets as a deposit, and kept it in his house, the Jew's house, and made a condition that if you don't end up paying me back, then retroactively the chomets should be considered to be mine already from now. So in that case, after Pesach will be forbidden to benefit from that chomets, since it comes out that a Jew owned it during Pesach. Continues the Mishnah, chomets should not for all of my playlists. Chomets which a wool fell down onto, and now it's covered in rubble, Harry who it is considered to be destroyed already, it's very unlikely that it's still fit to be eaten, and it's very unlikely that it will be discovered on Pesach itself. So really we assume it's going to be covered during the whole of Pesach, and even if it is uncovered later on, it's probably unfit for eating anyway, and therefore you do not need to start removing the rubble in order to access the food, and to destroy it properly, because it is considered to be destroyed already. The Gemara explains that one does still need to be revatal it, to nullify it and declare that he is relinquishing any ownership of that chomet, and that he views it like dust of the earth. However, in terms of physically destroying it, he does not need to do so. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says, and many explain that he's not arguing, he's rather explaining the opinion of the Tanakhama, this is referring to any chomet which is so deep into the rubble that a dog is not able to search after the food, meaning that it's at least three tfachim within the rubble, which means that a dog won't end up digging into the rubble in order to get the food and bring it out of the rubble. Mr. Dalla, the following Mishnah teaches us an important concept with regards to chomets during Pesach. Since before Pesach comes in, everybody relinquishes all of their rights to the chomets, and they declare it to be like the dust of the earth, and really the Torah decides that chomets on Pesach is like dust of the earth, and therefore chomets on Pesach is worth nothing. It's forbidden to benefit from it, so it's not really worth anything. And so, for example, if somebody were to steal chomets from somebody on Pesach, he would not be obligated to pay for it, because he stole something which was worth nothing. Now, the halacha is that if a non-Kohen eats truma by mistake, let's say he didn't realize it was truma and he ate that food, the halacha is he has to pay back a keren v'chomesh, the value of the truma, plus a chomesh, a fifth of the value. Truth is, it actually means a quarter of the value, but it's known as a keren v'chomesh, and that is the punishment for eating truma by mistake. Now, this keren v'chomesh is not actually a the value plus a fifth of the value. Rather, you pay back the volume of the truma plus a fifth of the volume. So if, let's say, somebody ate a kilogram of truma, 
when it comes to paying back that truma, even if it's gone up or down in value, the value is irrelevant. He has to pay back the same volume of the truma. So we see that the payment for of the Kerem HaChemesh of truma is not based on value, it's based on how much you ate in terms of quantity. So though Chomet is not worth anything during Pesach, it's still definitely there. It still has a volume. And therefore, Ha'ichel Trumas Chomet for Pesach, somebody who eats Truma, which is Chomet on Pesach, the Shoigeg by mistake, he didn't realize it was Truma, then Meshalim Kerem Vachemesh, he must pay back the volume plus a fifth of the volume. But Mezid, if he ate the Truma on purpose, intentionally, he knew that it was Truma. So in that case, there's no obligation of Chemesh in general. Chemesh is an atonement. By paying that extra fifth, it's sort of an atonement for your sin. But if you did so intentionally, then that atonement will not help. But you still need to pay back the actual value which you ate. Because since you had no right to eat it because you are not a Kohen, you would need to pay back the value to a Kohen. However, this payment is based totally on value. It's like stealing. And since there is no value to the Chomets on Pesach, he is exempt from paying anything in that case, and from paying for the value of the wood, meaning if the trimmer which he ate was Tomei, and the Kohen therefore could already not eat it, he had to burn it. The halach is that when a, when a Kohen burns trimmer which is Tomei, he is allowed to benefit from the burning. So he could have used it to fuel up his oven, so when you ate the trimmer, you sort of stole from him. You deprived him of being able to use it to, burn, to fill up his oven. So in general, you would have to pay back the value. But in this case, again, the Chomet has no value on Pesach. And therefore, you would be exempt from paying back for the trimmer. Mishnah Hey, on the first night of Pesach, there is a mitzvah with the to eat matzah. And the Mishnah begins by telling us that one fulfills his obligation of eating matzah on the first night of Pesach if it is made out of the following things. Bachitim. Wheat, basurim, barley, bakusmin, spelt, uvashifain, rye, uvashbelashual, or oats. These are the five main grains, and these are really the five grains which can technically become chomates. And it's learned from the fact that the Torah puts the obligation to eat matzah next to the obligation not to eat chomates. It's learned from there that only something which can technically become chomates, it can rise properly, only those grains can be used to eat matzah, to, to make matzah, which you can fulfill your obligation with. Now the second part of this Mishnah is focused around the rule of mitzvah haboah ba'avira, that a mitzvah which one performs by doing an avira is not considered a mitzvah and he does not fulfill his obligation. And this is going to list lots of different tithes and different types of food which are forbidden to eat because the tithes have not necessarily been taken. So there are lots of terms in this Mishnah which refer to different types of food. And firstly, tevel is food from which the tithes have not yet been separated. And it is forbidden to eat that food if one eats that on purpose. He is chayv misa. He is liable to the death penalty by Hashem. So that is known as tevel. If the tithes have been separated and it is regular food which can be eaten by anybody, that is known as chulin. Demai refers to produce where it is a doubt as to whether these tithes have been separated. If somebody buys food from a ignorant person, so he can't be sure whether he separated the tithes or not. So that produce is known as demai. And the Mishnah begins by telling us that for Yaitzin Badamai, one would fulfill his obligation of eating matzah if that matzah was made out of grain, which was demai. The reason being that although it is forbidden ideally to eat demai, there is a leniency for poor people. Poor people are allowed to eat demai and they are allowed to assume that the tithes have been separated already. Now technically, at any point, one is able to make himself poor. One could technically declare all of his property to be ownerless, so therefore he would be considered poor, and then he could eat demai. 
So since the Mai can be eaten by poor people, one can fulfill his obligation of matzah with matzah which is the Mai. Now a farmer needs to separate a tenth of his produce as Maiserishan. And that Maiserishan goes to a levy. And once that levy receives that Maiserishan, he has to separate a tenth of that and give it to a Kohen, and that is known as Trumas Maiser. So if a levy, let's say, has Maiserishan, and little to Rumosai, whose Trumas Maiser has been separated already, so that it is totally permitted to eat it, and therefore you would fulfill the obligation of Matzah with that food. Alright, now during the first, second, fourth, and fifth years of the Shmita cycle, as well as separating my Serishan, one also needs to separate my Sashani, which is another tenth of the produce, and he needs to take that up to Yerushalayim and eat it in Yerushalayim. Now that could be a lot of produce, and it could be very inconvenient to take it all up to Yerushalayim. So one is able to redeem all of that my Sashani produce onto money, such that that money now has the status of my Sashani money. Then you could take out the money to Yerushalayim and spend the money on food in Yerushalayim, and that would then be your Maiseshani. So the Mishnah says with Maiseshani, Maiseshani produce, and this is talking about the original produce that you separated. Once you redeem that produce onto money, so the original produce has not got the status of Maiseshani anymore. It's considered regular chulin food, which can be eaten by anybody, even outside of Yerushalayim. So if you use that produce to make your matzah, then it will be totally fine, because it is permitted to eat it. The hektash, and produce belonging to the Beis HaMikdash, Shenifto, again, which you redeemed it, so the produce no longer belongs to the Beis HaMikdash. If you redeem that onto money, so now the money has the status of hektash, but the produce does not, and therefore you can use it for your matzah. But Akranim Truma, Karnim can fulfill their obligation through matzah, which is chala. That's the part of a dough which is given to a kohen. Uva Truma, this is a portion of the produce which is given to a kohen. And for the kohen, it's totally permitted to eat. So even though for other people it's forbidden to eat, since it's permitted for the kohen, he would fulfill his obligation of matzah if the matzah was made of chala or truma. But one cannot fill his obligation with tevel, which is produce which the tithes have definitely not been separated from, and it is therefore forbidden to eat. Similarly, one is not allowed to fulfill his obligation. He does not fulfill his obligation. If he ate Maiserishan, from which the Trumas Maiser had not been separated, so the Levi did not separate a tenth of that gift and give it to the Kohen, nor can he fulfill his obligation with Maiserishan Matzah, or with matzah which belongs to the Beis HaMikdash, if it has not yet been redeemed onto money, since that still has the status of Maiseshani or Hekdash. So it's forbidden to eat the Maiseshani outside of Yerushalayim, and it's forbidden to eat the Hekdash anywhere. So in all these cases, it will be considered a mitzvah, and therefore one would not fulfill the mitzvah. Now the third part of the Mishnah discusses Chalis Toida, the loaves brought together with a carbon Toida, or a Kike Nazir, the thin matzah loaves brought together with a Nazir's carbon, a Nazir is somebody who accepts upon himself not to drink wine or to become Tomei from dead bodies or to cut his hair. And at the end of his Nazirus period, he needs to bring some Karbanis. And together with the Karbanis, he also brings some loaves of matzah bread. And also when you bring carbon Toida, you bring both Chomet bread and also matzah together with the carbon. So if you made matzah for the sake of the Nazir or for the sake of the person bringing the carbon Toida, Asar La'atzmai, if he made it for himself, Meaning he was obligated to bring a carbon taida, let's say. And so he baked the matzah in order to bring it for the carbon taida. And then for whatever reason, let's say he had some left over, or he didn't end up bringing the carbon, and then it reaches Pesach. In Yitzmohem, one cannot fulfill his obligation of matzah 
with the matzah he prepared for the carbon toida or for the nazar's carbon. And this is that for the posuk, which says, You should guard the matzahs, which the Gemara interprets to mean that one needs to bake the matzahs for the sake of fulfilling the mitzvah of matzah on Pesach. So if when he made the matzah, he did not have the intention to use it for the sake of the matzah of Pesach, then it is not valid matzah for fulfilling one's obligation. However, interestingly, Asonim Kerbashuk, if he made the matzah in order to sell in the marketplace to people who need to bring carbon toidas or people who need to bring a carbon of a nozir, so he baked matzahs to sell to other people. In that case, if he has any left over, then Yitzbohen, he can fulfill his obligation of the matzah on Pesach. The reason being that he knows when he bakes them that he'll probably have some left over since he's making so many to sell to people. And because of that, when he makes them, he makes a condition in his mind and has the intention already then that if he doesn't manage to sell all of them, then he is making them for the sake of the matzah of Pesach, such that if he does have any left over, he would be able to use that for the matzah on Pesach. Mishavol, after discussing which grains one can use for fulfilling the obligation of matzah, this Mishnah goes on to discuss which vegetables and herbs can be used for the mitzvah of moror. The truth has been to arise, so it's only an obligation to eat moror on the first night of Pesach, if you eat it together with the Korm Pesach. But even when there is no Korm Pesach, Midrabonon, one still needs to eat moror. So the following herbs, the following vegetables can be used to fulfill one's obligation of moror on Pesach. Bachazeres, lettuce of a ulshin, chicory of a tamcha, horseradish of a charchavina, some sort of thistle plant, with a moror, which we're going to translate as wild lettuce. That's how the Rambam identifies the moror. So Yitzim Bohemwan can fulfill the obligation with these vegetables, bein lachin, bein vation. Whether they are fresh or dry, and the more explains we're talking about the stalks of these vegetables, but when it comes to the leaves, one can only fulfill the obligation if they are still moist and fresh. One cannot fulfill the obligation if they have been pickled or overcooked or even cooked a little bit because that way they lose their bitter taste and are no longer considered valid for morrow. They can combine to the minimum amount of the size of an olive which needs to be eaten so you don't necessarily have to eat a kazayas of lettuce. You could combine the lettuce with the horseradish and all the different types of morrow. If they together make up a kazayas then that is good enough to fulfill your obligation. And the same applies to the previous Mishnah, to matzah. One can also combine different grains to fulfill the obligation of matzah, of having a kazayas of matzah. The yates in the kelach shalohen, and one can fulfill the obligation with the stalk of these vegetables. And as we said earlier on in the Mishnah, this is whether the stalk is fresh or even if it's dry. All right, and just like with matzah, there is a problem of mitzvah v'avera, the same applies to morar. So you can have an obligation of Adamai with Adamai, which is a doubtful case where, where you're not sure whether the ties have been separated. So it's permitted for a poor person to eat it, and therefore anybody can fulfill the obligation of morar with Demai. Uma Maiserishan through Masai. And you could also fulfill your obligation with Maiserishan, which is the gift given to a Levi. Whose Trumas Maisa has been separated. So the Levi did separate the tenth of that to give it to a Kohen. Or produce which was originally separated as Maisasheni. Or it was originally designated to the base Hamikdash, but it has since been redeemed onto money. So the original produce loses the status of Maisasheni or Hekdash, and therefore you can eat it. But of course, Tevel and other things which are forbidden to eat, one would not be able to fulfill the obligation of Morar with that food because it would be considered a mitzvah haba ba'avira.